0: Forget to mention. We've got monsters that come from the mud and little miss Anne Ackland. Those that seem to catch on fire the black eyes of a child. Legends of those skin-walking beings in that time that the devil possessed a tree. Faces, abductions, and strange disappearances, extra-sensory other mentions and experiments. Cryptids, hauntings, and Hillary Porter are writing strange titles
1: in Kahara. Still
0: hungry? Well, we've got
1: something handy. Sit back and enjoy
0: another piece of weird candy. Well, hey, what is up, my fellow weirdos, you beautiful bastards out there? Hope everybody's doing all right and uh, happy Tuesday to you. Hope the ball of the work we've taken it pretty easy on you. We go through this a lot, and at this point, you think we could just bribe it, but you know, it's not going to happen. So we just got to fucking kick it in the taint and move forward. What do you say? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, name, <laughs> my name is Chris, and with me as always is Andy Took It All.
1: Andy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I'm real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can take it all. <laughs> That's what those men in black, secret agent dudes, said too with, with the probing thing. <laughs> I can't believe you took the whole thing. <laughs> we lost three of them in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what's been going on, man? How's everything? Oh, I mean, it's pretty all right. Dealing with this fucking infection.
0: Your herpes flaring up?
2: Oh, yeah. You know it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing, buddy. <laughs> yep. Now you take the antibiotics, everything's, you know, you know. Yep. it was pretty gnarly looking, guys. I'll tell you that. Yep. Whatever. It was, yeah. So
1: yep. glad
0: yep. glad you're doing better.
2: Yeah. So what's been happening, man? Tell the people. That's about it.
0: Just that okay. so you got a random inf- infection and you're taking antibiotics. Yep. Okay. Yep.
2: All right. And there's no wound or anything, people. It's just skin infection.
0: Yeah, it happens. Honestly, the cellulitis, right?
2: Yep. It's right behind my balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> that
0: is the herpes. <laughs>
2: it's on my lower leg. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so technically with you being older it could be right <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: i guess it could be
0: <laughs> right on man well honestly i don't have a whole lot going on either but i'm super fucking stoked for today so uh, you want
2: to just jump in homie yeah let's just do it man let's get through all right let's do this shit let's get weird
0: So holy shit, I am so fucking excited for today. We've covered so much shit, but this one has been in the works for a long fucking time, folks. We're going to skip some long ass intro and we're just getting right into the life and disappearance of Amelia Earhart. On July 24th, 1897, one of the baddest women to ever live, Amelia Mary Earhart, was born in Etchison, Kansas, to father Samuel Edwin Stanton Earhart. I don't know why. Where do you get Edwin on a Samuel? I don't uh, know. Just, <laughs> his Samuel Stanton Earhart. Everybody called him Edwin. Like, I don't, like Sam would have been easy. Anyway, and uh, her mother, Amelia Amy Earhart. So her mother was also Amelia Earhart, which is pretty awesome. So uh, she was a junior. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely, homie. They're the second or something, yeah. right?
2: I don't know why they don't do that for women if they, you know, like, oh, well, you name your first daughter after yourself and then they're the second or whatever.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, she was the. (laughs) just like we're trying to make sense of something that we have no clue what we're talking about. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So she was (laughs) she was the second daughter to the couple and pretty well in line with the times she was actually born in her mother's father, Alfred Gideon Otis's
2: home. You know, all these people um, and, in their multiple names, dude. It can't just be, I know. <laughs> yeah, Alfred, it's, it it's Otis. Al Otis, <laughs> Al Otis.
0: I mean, uh, that sounds like something I'd call you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> now this shit was no fucking joke though, guys. Like for real, he was a former federal judge and he was the president of the Atchison Savings Bank. So, you know, he, her grandfather, he's this high ranking member of society. And then her father, Edwin, he was a railroad lawyer. So it, it almost kind of seems fitting that she was destined from birth to, just to do something with her life. You know what I mean?
2: A lot of laws and railroading.
0: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to railroad people, you know you got to do it right. <laughs> so now with all, this being, <laughs> thanks, <Gus. laughs> with all this being said, things weren't always just biscuits and gravy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, who doesn't love biscuits and gravy? You know Oh, that's I, I, delicious. God, it's my favorite. Yeah, breakfast, <laughs> lunch, dinner, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> now, according to Britannica.com, quote, after the death of her grandparents, the family struggled financially amid her father's alcoholism. <laughs> the Earhart's moved often, and she completed high school in Chicago in nineteen sixteen. After her mother received her inheritance, Earhart was able to attend the Algon School of Garridles, Pennsylvania. However, during a visit to her sister in Canada, Amelia developed an interest in caring for soldiers wounded in World War I. So in 1918, she left junior college to become a nurse's aide in Toronto. I don't know. It just seems fitting, like when you're like Encyclopedia Britannica shaking. am so smart. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm <laughs> smoking a pipe. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, so like, you know, even even young, she was a badass, you know. But uh, So let's go back to her early life. Now it's written that when she was little, her and her sister Grace Muriel, which for some reason she was nicknamed Pidge,
2: P I D G E. Is that short for uh, pigeon or something? <laughs> I have no clue, dude. I, I did, yeah, Pidge. I have no
0: idea, dude. I, and like, I tried to figure, like, what the fuck. But yeah. But anyway, they spent most of their days exploring. Like they would climb trees and hunt rats with a fucking rifle, and they did something with the, that they called belly slamming that was like they would take their sleds and just like race them downhill on their belly. You know, just normal kid shit basically for the time. Uh, that's kind of what I get, you know? Like they even had a collection of worms, moths, kitty and like tree toads and they were always adding to this fucking collection in their house, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah, dead ones crazy. Did they kill all these things first? No, you know, they were alive. Like- <laughs> they were alive. dude. they keep them? Yeah, like it's fucking wild. No way, dude, to go in there and they got a whole terrarium full of like <sighs> 18 toads. Katie did, dude. Those are like the noisy little fuckers, man. Yeah, dude.
0: Fuck. Yeah, look them up. Yeah, they're annoying as shit. (laughs) And with this interest, you know, basically they were considered tomboys, which... You know, in the early 1900s you know, or late 1800s, it wasn't maybe the best thing to be labeled, you know, because back then, you know, girls at 15, 14, 15, 16, they're supposed to get married, start popping out kids to work in the mines and shit, you know?
1: <laughs> Working down at you the plant. Know,
2: right. <laughs> I got the black lung popped. <laughs> the kid pops out smoking a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I'm going to do my shift at the plant, Mom. See you later. <laughs>
0: I love it In 1904 At the age of seven though She sold this roller coaster So her family They went to the World's Fair In St. Louis Like Hometown represent (laughs) Uh, Well hometown area Anyway Fuck it, Close enough But anyway So they went to the World's Fair In St. Louis And she sees this roller coaster So she gets this brilliant idea And uh, with some help From one of her uncles She built a ramp On top of the family's tool shed Fucking like A lot of historians They're like This was her like Young mind, her first attempt at flying. <laughs>
2: I know what yeah, happened no when There's, you attempted to fly. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we've talked about that, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, should I remind the people? Yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. All right, so me and uh, my best buddy when I was a kid, and, uh, you know, rest in peace, Jacob, we decided that we were going to make some wings and fly away. <laughs> so we cut up an old tent, and we tried to make wings. And we jumped off the top of the garage and yeah, fucked ourselves up. It did not work. <laughs> Such
2: a wonderful heartwarming story.
0: <laughs> her first attempt at flight didn't end very well either. Like she didn't like get seriously injured or anything, but she did like a busted lift, tore her dress. She said it was a sense of exhilaration. Like she even sold her sister, and this is a quote, Oh kid, it's just like flying. <laughs> When the family moved to Des Moines, Iowa, she saw her first real airplane at the state fair. And so her dad, you know, being, you know, whatever, he was like, oh, you want to take a ride in the plane? We could pay the guy. They called this thing a flimmer, whatever the fuck that is. Huh. I don't yeah, know, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea. But she said, hell no. And, and like later on, she said it was, quote, a thing of rusty wire and wood and not at all interesting. And see, I find that interesting, but she did not find it interesting.
2: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like crazy as shit. It's like a budget airline. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, we'll fly you to Detroit for 25 bucks, but uh, you're going to have to sit on this milk crate, you know. (laughs) Hold the
0: chickens in your lap. (laughs) Strap in with some hemp twine or something. Like Indiana Jones. (laughs) Oh, shit. So in 1918, during the height of the Spanish flu pandemic, Amelia, like we said earlier, she was working her ass off on the night shift at the uh, Spadina Military Hospital until she actually caught Spanish flu as well and became a patient in the hospital that she had been working in. And I mean, this just sounds awful. You know, according to Wikipedia and Britannica.com, quote, she was hospitalized for pneumonia in early November 1918 and discharged in December of 1918, about two months after the illness had started. Her sinus-related symptoms were pain and pressure around one eye and copious mucus drainage via the nostrils and throat. Uh, (laughs) Copious mucus drainage. Copious Copious. (laughs) mucus. Don't keep saying it. (laughs) Right, copious mucus draining of the nostrils. All right, I get it, <laughs> Well, staying in the hospital during the pre-antibiotic era, she had like painful, like super crazy operations to wash out the affected quote maxillary sinus. But these procedures, they were not successful. And she continued to have just worse and worse and worse headaches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it goes on, uh, quote, her, her convalescence lasted nearly a year, which she spent at her sister's home in Massachusetts. Earhart passed the time reading poetry, learning to play the banjo, and studying mechanics. <laughs> Chronic sangucitis significantly affected Earhart's flying activities in her later life, and sometimes even on the airfield, she was forced to wear a bandage on her cheek to cover a small drainage tube. Ugh! Oh, yuck! Dude, like she had a drainage tube sticking out of her fucking cheek, dude.
2: Fucked up, dude. Wow. Ah, could you imagine? No, I don't want to. <laughs> Come on, just, just, just do me a favor. Uh, let's go to
0: Dreamland. It's like a. Come on, guys, guys, let's go to Dreamland. Ah, uh, now just imagine copious mucus drainage out of a tube in your fucking
2: cheek. No, no. Jesus. It's like what a- the fuck. It's like having a face colostomy. Mm-hmm.
0: A hundred percent, dude. Yep. A hundred percent. So after the ship finally settled down, she was quickly persuaded by her parents to drop out, quit working at the hospital, get out of school and move with them to California IA in 1920. Oh. Hey, we're going to be famous. I said, I say, famous. <laughs> it's golden in the hills.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's prospector.
0: Now, once they got to California, this is when she actually had her first ride in an airplane, right? And, and it's written that she was just fucking instantly hooked, bro. Cool. Yeah. So, at this point, she starts taking lessons to become a pilot. Then, in 1921, using her her inheritance money that she got from granddad dying and shit, because, you know, all that, she bought her first plane, and it was a Kenner Airster. Yeah, I've never heard of it, but uh looks pretty cool in the pictures. If you guys want to Google it, K-I-N-N-E-R-A-I-R-S-T-E-R. Yeah, Kenner Airster. But uh, it looks like a pretty cool little plane, but after two years of, like, just, dedicating herself to like getting this shit right she actually got officially got her pilot's license you know and uh, there was this quote I found and for me it just seems kind of interesting but it was like I guess she was at her and her sister or her uh, yeah there were an air show in Toronto Canada and she said quote the interest aroused in me in Toronto led me to all the air circuses in the vicinity you know, it's like basically like she's like aroused in me. I'm like, say it again. <laughs> say it raspy. Nah, yeah, it aroused in me. <laughs> oh wait, no, not that
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So while an ace pilot from World War One spotted her and her friend, like they were sitting in a clearing by themselves and so kind of off to the side of like the main. Benches and shit Where people were sitting Yeah Yeah for some reason Somehow or whatever He saw him sitting there He decided to like Take his plane And like kind of Dive toward them You know And uh, she was quoted She said I'm sure he said to himself Watch me make them scamper But I stood my ground I did not understand it At the time But I believe That little red airplane Said something to me As it swished by Like I kind of <laughs> Fucking love it You know right. In nineteen twenty four her parents got divorced. You know, dad's a drunk and you know, mom got the inheritance from her dad and you know, Amelia's got her you know, Amelia the second has her inheritance <laughs> at this point. So once that happened, Amelia drove her mom and what she called the yellow pearl, which was like a yellow Kissel gold bug. And it's kind of a I don't know, I I didn't like I don't like the way it looks. You know? <laughs> <in itself. laughs> I don't know if you looked up any pictures of this buddy, no, but didn't uh, see this. Yeah. So anyway, so they get the road on it, like a transcontinental trip or whatever you want to call it, you know, from California and uh, you know, they stopped all throughout the Western United States and you know, they jumped up to Banff, Alberta, Canada and all this shit and eventually they ended up in Boston. Once in Boston, she had another sinus operation and I guess this time it was a lot more successful so they could pull the fucking drainage tube out of her cheek. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So she returns to uh, Columbia University for several months, but again, she's forced to abandon her studies and actually any further plans for enrolling at, you know, MIT, you know, but she had to do this because her mother could no longer afford the tuition fees and, and all the, just all the cost of just, you know, living in the proximity and everything else, you know? So soon after this, Amelia found she worked as like a teacher and then like a social worker in this like, Denison House, it's kind of crazy because, like, this is where life and history would be changed fucking forever, dude. So how did her life change forever, Chucky boy?
2: Well, after Charles Lindbergh's solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean, pilot Amy Guest showed interest in becoming the first woman to either fly or be flown across the Atlantic.
0: I guess what, with her being female, I mean, it's a big deal because you've just had your first guy make it. So, like, this chick's like, well, I want to either, if I can't fly it, I at least want to go with somebody that can. Yeah. If he can do it, I'm I can do it.
2: Right. But after some studying and realizing just how fucking hard of a flight it was, she decided that she would sponsor another female for the job. Now, okay. She, okay. She's quoted as saying, quote, another girl with the right image. <laughs> so she's like
0: well yeah, maybe you know i wonder if she was like a sea dog you know eye patch wooden legs like i <laughs> was gonna fry it but we need somebody prettier yeah i don't absolutely. know why my head it, so it goes to like a, a ship captain of some she's kind the, but she's a sky pirate <laughs>
2: well, uh, you know you I, was, I was gonna do it but i know that they would put me in the news so we gotta find
1: somebody who looks a lot hotter
0: I only fly to fight Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> ask, your, ask your parents about Snoopy.
2: <laughs> so one night while at work, Emilio received a call from Captain Hilton H. Rayleigh. Now that's a fucking name for a captain, homie. <laughs> Hilton yes. H.
0: Rayleigh. Captain Hilton each really at your service, yard. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds so good. <laughs> I'm looking for a whale.
2: <laughs> now Hilton had one question for her. Would you like to fly the Atlantic? <laughs> Where? Would you like to fly the Atlantic, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yarr! <laughs> you, you fucking imagine, <laughs> though? Somebody calls you he like, hey, you want to be the first woman to uh, fly the Atlantic? <laughs> like, huh? What?
2: <laughs> I'm just learning how to put on sneakers. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed, <laughs> allowed to wear these until recently. <laughs> I wasn't a social worker,
0: but sure, I'll fly across the Atlantic. Like, how did they even know to call her? It's so weird. <laughs> I like, and I, I looked into this, dude, with you. We looked into this, guys. I think it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I somehow they knew she had a pilot's license or something, and, you know, word of mouth. I don't know. But it's pretty wild that, you know, they just happened to pick her, and she just happens to be, you know, her. you know what i mean <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, it was like the golden ticket she just somehow got like a right. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> <Right. Camp.
1: laughs> wow
2: so i'm sure she was over the fucking moon about this but that right. kind of settled down after she was given the details Ah, the other
0: shoe drops
2: now. Yep, she would not be piloting or co-piloting, but rather kind of just be a passenger. Yep. Okay. With the added duty of having to keep the flight logs.
0: <laughs> we saw a lot of water. And there's, there's still water. Ooh, is that a mermaid? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, throw back to last week. Come on, come on, come on.
2: That there is a manatee. I thought the same thing about six months ago. <laughs> it's not even a manatee. I believe that
0: would be a goddamn succubus uh, or a siren or one of the, one of those weird things that does those those other things and stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so not the best of jobs, but uh, still the first female to make it across the fucking ocean. So not too yeah. shabby. Yeah, I agree, brother. Yeah, no shit. The pilot was Wilmer Stoltz, and the co-pilot was Lewis Gordon. Man, uh, Louis Gordon. Are- Louis Louis Gordon.
1: Well,
2: at, they- hey, at least they have just regular fucking names, <laughs> you know? I mean, come on.
0: Like yeah. Wilmer Stultz and Lewis Gordon. There's no fucking nine names with four nicknames in the middle that make no <laughs> sense in like, whatsoever. No, <laughs> no. Well, he
2: could have been Louis the Mustache Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Wilmer Stultz
0: Stutz. <laughs> <laughs> you can scratch that. That wasn't very good at all. Wah, wah, wah. wah, wah yeah. Wah, <laughs> wah, <laughs> now you do it, <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
2: so, so when they landed in Buryport, South Wales, exactly twenty hours and forty minutes later, and
0: yeah, that's how <laughs> yeah, it's, it's written. Exact, exactly. exactly. <laughs> exactly twenty hours and forty minutes. I guarantee you there were some seconds in there after me. <laughs> and <point of> force. <laughs> In forty-eight seconds point two, (laughs) if you're gonna write that, like you you can't write it like that. You just, you know, oh man, they they needed more editors back in the day, dude. (laughs) We've talked about that too many times.
2: Yeah. So when they were when they landed, they were met with well, some reporters. Uh, Ah, okay. Since she had only had her license for a short period, she had zero knowledge of any of the instruments that were used for this kind of a journey. Yeah, so it's
0: like, you're going to keep the flight log, but it's not like she's even really learning anything on the flight,
2: right? Yeah, when interviewed, she said, quote, Stultz did all of the flying. Had to. I was just baggage. Like a sack of potatoes. Maybe someday (laughs) I'll try it alone. (laughs) <laughs> ah, there we go. She's foreshadowing. Uh-huh, I like yeah. it. <laughs> Once they landed at Woolston in Southampton, England on June 19th, 1928, she received a rousing welcome. Wow.
1: Wow.
2: People cheering the shit. Wow!
1: <laughs>
2: when they made it back to the States on July 6th, they were greeted with a ticker tape parade. Along the Canyon of Heroes in Manhattan. Okay. And This was followed by a reception with President Calvin Coolidge at the White House. It's fucking nice, bro. Playing on her physical resemblance to Charles motherfucking Lindbergh, the press nicknamed right. her Lady Lindy. Is that Linda? What is wrong with you people and your
1: fucking nicknames? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: Damn it. <laughs> now, some going as far as to call her the queen of the air. Now, that is a nickname. <laughs> all of this shit led to her writing a book and going on an almost nonstop promotion tour that lasted well into 1929. She oh, yeah. even got so, involved. Yeah, so we're gun, talking man. from summer, like, all the way on. Yeah. She even got involved in her own clothing line that was, quote, her concept of simple, natural lines matched with wrinkle-proof, washable materials, and was the embodiment of a sleek, purposeful but feminine. A E.
0: <laughs> okay. What the fuck? Oh, I, I, Amelia. All right. I get it. That, yeah.
2: Yeah, the <laughs> familial name she went by with family and friends.
0: Okay, so yeah, yeah. that was just like, but that's so like.
2: hey or hey amelia like what the fuck
0: dude i am no i am not on board with these old-timey fucking nicknames dude we have to get some time grease and go back and fix this.
2: (laughs) 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 now in her mind it was all good and nice that she was being recognized but she wanted to set out and build an untarnished career of her own yeah, i On August 18th, 1929, Amelia entered the Women's Air Derby race that went from Santa Monica, California to Cleveland, Ohio, where she ultimately okay. placed third, so not too bad. Yeah, yeah.
0: for first race, no yeah, shit. No shit. In
2: 1939, she became a member of the National Aeronautic Association and was instrumental for separating men's records from women's. Okay, so she kind of, what, segregated it. Kind of made it so that the yeah, women weren't, it. Yeah. they weren't competing against the men who had more experience than them, and you know they could stand right. on their own merits.
0: Well, obviously there were enough, you know, women, female pilots, you know, for them to have the derbies and the races and shit. I'm sure still though, it was nothing compared to how many men, you yes. know, were in, were yeah. in the, in the field you know how you know I mean? was back
2: in the, in the day. We, I mean, you, we've been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> it's always so hard cleaning up when we get back. I <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, you guys,
0: we destroy the studio with that shit, <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we don't pay Gus because he won't clean it up. <laughs>
2: Well, it is hard to cut it! fuck you. (laughs) Oh, he's getting lippy today. He's getting lippy. (laughs) Did you hear him? Yeah, he's a bitch. (laughs) On June 25th of that same year, she set the speed record for 100 kilometers with no load and with a load of 500 kilograms.
1: Ah,
0: yeah. 500 kilos she's hauling. <laughs> That's a nice load. <laughs> First, you have no load. Now you have a load. Mm. <laughs>
1: but uh, we are
0: fucking terrible. <laughs> we are a terrible human beings, Chuck.
2: <laughs> I, I've come to peace with it. So me <laughs> yeah. too. I yeah. accept it. So on July fifth. She set the women's speed record by going one hundred and eighty one point eighteen miles per hour.
0: That's what's up, man! Fuck
2: yeah! These are just a lot of different accomplishments she made during that time period. So on April eighth, nineteen thirty one, she set the world altitude record at eighteen thousand four hundred and fifteen feet. Wow! Okay, from here we jump to May twentieth and twenty first of nineteen thirty two. Hold on, before we go to that, okay? Now imagine these planes. Flying is fairly new. Yeah.
0: It's pretty new at this point. These planes are not exactly OSHA regulated. Right? <laughs> you
1: know? And it's, it's like seven forty
0: seven. Right. It's like these planes fly at you know thirty, forty thousand feet, sixty thousand jets, uh, you know, even higher, whatever, going into space, all that. Put yourself back in this time and imagine, like look at pictures of these things. Just to go eighteen thousand feet, that had to have been something, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, that's impressive that's,
0: that's, that's gotta be a hell of an accomplishment and That's crazy they, they and sorry, I, just didn't wanna, I didn't want to just go cool Yeah 181 miles that's, an hour yeah. Like back then you had Cars that were maxing out at like 12 miles an hour You know what I'm saying <laughs> oh, yeah. They're doing gun, cop and gun chases You know <laughs> but It always looks fast in the movies
2: But those cars didn't go all that fast back then <laughs> 1920s <laughs> cop chases They're chasing right. some like You got people walking back the cars <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wasn't that bad, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Instead of just getting out of their car and walking, up and catching them, they just like follow them on, shooting at each other, <laughs> like really slow. People just walk and pass them on the streets. In my head, this is hilarious, guys. I'm sorry you can't be in here. Actually, you don't want to be in here. Moving on. Sorry, buddy. I just went all over the
2: place. <laughs> it's all good. So we were jumping ahead. Right Wait, guys. I wanted. I wanted to, You know, Chuck's looking pretty good today. Yeah, mm, -hmm. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I gotta get my homie props, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy, what's up?
2: So we were jumping ahead to May 20th and 21st, 1932. Okay, so we're uh, a year ahead, okay. Yeah, this is when she did what she said she was going to do only four years earlier. She flew solo across the Atlantic with the trip taking her 14 hours and 56 minutes. That's fucking awesome, dude. For this awesome achievement, she was awarded the National Geographic Society's Gold Medal from President Herbert Hoover with Congress. Ooh, he's the guy with
0: the dam. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> he's holding back a ton of water there. <laughs> <laughs> probably thousands or tens of thousands of tons of water there but uh but probably more than that homie <laughs> the hoover dam it was, it was, you
0: know, imagine, you're president of the united states you know you're like kicking ass at life and they're like we well, are gonna build a big old thing that holds water and name it after you <laughs> <laughs> i you, know dam- the dams are important i get it are no, you saying fucking- i'm a bloated fat ass <laughs> well, yes, we are, Mr. President <laughs> So you said something about Congress? Sorry, man Yeah, yeah,
2: Congress <laughs> awarded her the Distinguished Flying Cross Oh, that's pretty sweet She also wrote a book about this called The Fun of It
0: Oh, I'm sure Dude, fucking, she's flying across Jesus Criminy
2: <laughs> She's flying wow. across Jesus Criminy? Yeah, you've never flown across Jesus Criminy? No, yeah, it's no. uh, I, what I call the Atlantic Ocean
0: Oh, okay, yeah, putting, okay, am I putting you to sleep, Gus? You fucking prick! <laughs> oh, gosh, I love you, buddy. Shut <laughs> so your fucking asshole! I'm dead. <laughs> he knows that, by the way. Oh uh, yeah, we better lock <laughs> him
2: in there when we're on the on the mics in the future.
0: No shit, yeah, like, He has started to get lippy. Yeah, we oh, can't man, leave a microphone thing we're in to the there end of either. The season. I know, right? Oh, definitely not, dude. Yeah, make him scream, you know, yell through the wall there or the window. <laughs>
2: He'll just be pounding on the glass. Right. It <laughs> hey, would we'll be doing like the thing, like pointing to our ears. Can't hear you.
0: Right. <laughs> dude, he's flipping you off right now. I don't know if he looked over there. <laughs> so on August 24th and 25th, Following all that shit, she became the first woman to fly solo nonstop from coast to coast, setting a transcontinental speed record for flying 2,447.8 miles in 19 hours and 5 minutes. Then, less than a year later, she broke that record by doing the same trip in 17 hours and 7 minutes, almost 2 hours faster. Nice. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. She was like, I'm going to do it again because I think I can do it better. She tuned up her plane. (laughs) Right. And it's it's like every year the parts. planes get a little better. <laughs> <laughs> On January 11th, 1935, she became the first person to fly solo with a civilian two way radio. And then she did this over a 2,408 mile trip from Honolulu, Hawaii to Oakland, California. Pretty cool, huh? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, man. I thought it was cool. April 19th and 20th. Of the, so, 1935, April 19th and 20th. She became the first person to fly solo from L.A. to Mexico City, uh, and this trip took her 13 hours and 23 minutes. We're only doing this just because, you know, it's fucking crazy. Just She does one thing after another, uh, yeah. just on and on and on and on, you know what I'm saying? So uh, on May 8th, setting all these records. Sorry, yeah, right. setting
2: all these records and, just, and shit and just making all these accomplishments and everything, but it's also hard to look at it from today's perspective where, you know, you jump on a plane you know from st right. louis six hours later you're in new york and right you know
0: not even six hours dude. like you can get a direct flight and i think it's like three and a half hours
2: yeah i don't i've never flown directly to new york i had to stop over at either. o'hare and then from there right. take another but i know plane. like you could
0: fly yeah you could fly from st louis here in st louis you could fly to like cancun mexico and it's like three hour trip or something yeah it's, but, it's insane it, you know back then
2: it's yeah. A little different. Yeah, and, and she's the first one doing all this stuff and she's just right. knocking it out of the park. It's, it's I don't insane. Know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: On May 8th, 1935, she became the first person. She flew solo from Mexico City up to Newark, New Jersey. And she did that in 14 hours and 19 minutes. You know, so again, like it's just insane. And so on March seventeenth, nineteen thirty-seven, uh, she and her navigator, Fred Noonan, a guy named Captain Harry Manning, and a stunt pilot named Paul Mance began their first attempt at a flight around the world at the equator. No fat jokes? Nothing? No crickets? (laughs) Fuck us. Chuck, I I figured figured one of you guys would have been on that. Now the first leg of this, it went pretty well. They ended up flying, you know, from California, they ended up in fucking Honolulu. But while there, They went to take off and the front landing gear collapsed, causing the two propellers just to fucking just gouge into the fucking runway, you know,
1: tearing shit up. Yeah, 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 Gus.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Gus, they failed, but it's a terrible... What's wrong with them?
0: (laughs) There actually is a little bit of controversy over why this happened, you know? Like, some people say that a tire blew out, so that's obviously out of anybody's control. But there are other people, including Paul Nance, who was in the plane with her. They said that it was all her fault, that she fucked something up, and that's the reason the shit did what it did.
2: Or it's... The male attitude of the time Well it was the woman on right. board she- Goddamn <laughs> women flyer yeah, She's a woman flyer
0: well, dude, That's not very good I don't like a very much at all. see.
1: Uh, well, you know she was She was controlling
2: the plate Not washing dishes it must have been her fault My <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> So with all of the problems like Really, the only two that stuck around to actually try to continue and, like, make this shit happen was her and her navigator, Noonan. You know, and, like, neither one of them were very good radio operators. So, <laughs> All right, so here we go, guys. This is kind of what we've been building up to. We're going to get into the uh, fateful historic flight. All right, so here we go. On May 20th, they leave Oakland, California for Burbank, and that's like 325 miles or some shit, right? So then they leave Burbank on May twenty first. They fly to Tucson, Arizona, four hundred fifty miles. So then they leave Tucson. They end up in New Orleans on uh, the twenty second. They end up in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, they leave New Orleans on May twenty third. They end up in Miami, Florida. All right. So now they're they're there. They've flown across all right, the
2: state, you know, straight
0: across the bottom. Right. So now they're now they're getting ready to hit the ocean. Right. This is where like I think like a lot of stuff I was I was researching and stuff. A lot of people were like, I thought she disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. Well, this is the only time that she was even close to that area yeah. of the ocean. And uh, so they they leave Miami, Florida and they get to San Juan, Puerto Rico on June 1st, right? So then they leave San Juan, they end up in Carapito, Venezuela on June 2nd. So they're already past the Bermuda triangle area. Yeah. So that shit's fucking just done. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, exactly. So they leave Venezuela on June 3rd and they end up in Suriname or Dutch Guiana at the time. That's what it was called at the time. Hmm. But yeah, Suriname I don't surname. know, if it's Suriname or Suriname, but it's it's country. So, <laughs> so then they leave Suriname on June fourth and they end up in Fortaleza, Brazil.
2: You with me so far? Yeah, I'm on this journey. Did <laughs> so they make the trip yeah, to Fortaleza to I did Natal, lose Brazil. my uh, I lost my underwear back in Miami though. Ah. so yeah. Oh I man, dude! Well, oh, we'll have to go back because you've worn
0: those every single episode, and we trust you guys. He does not wash them. It smells so bad in here right now. Thank you <laughs> get him, Gus. Get him.
1: No, nothing.
0: Ah, fucking! He's probably in there fucking sleeping again. I think he's off. Oh, oh! He was thinking about your underwear. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Gus. So they leave uh, Lisa and they end up in Natal, Brazil, June sixth. Then they leave uh, Natal, they end up in St. Louis, Senegal on June 7th. Then they fly kind of across Senegal to Dakar on uh, June 8th. They leave Dakar and they end up in Mali on June 10th. So then June 11th, they end up in Chad. June 12th, they end up in the Sudan. You know, from Sudan, they end up another place in Sudan, from Sudan <laughs> to Ethiopia on June uh, June 13th. They end up from Ethiopia to another place in Ethiopia, and so on and so forth. Pakistan, India, Myanmar, Thailand, Malaysia, Java, Indonesia, right? Still going across Indonesia and shit, right? So then they end up in uh, Australia, right? Papua New Guinea, right? Yeah, dude. And scene. Next stop should have been Heil- Howland Island, which is like a U.S. territory. It's just a tiny little fucking speck in the ocean, right? They never made it. We know the locations and everything, and I I know I kind of just breezed through them or flew through them. It it really doesn't matter. Yeah, at the end, I was getting
2: jet lagged, dude. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, your underwear finally caught up with (laughs) (laughs) them. I don't know how that happened. I know, it's very strange, dude. They actually look clean, though. They were probably dragging in the ocean while we were zipping through. (laughs) Yeah, we were
2: flying them behind us like a big banner. (laughs) <laughs> right.
0: You know the but the biggest bitch to me is like I was researching and I found all these locations and all this stuff, right? It's crazy because Howland Island, they only had two more stops. So that was Honolulu and then back, back Oakland, to Oakland and yeah. they were fucking it was done. They did what nobody else had ever done. Yeah. You know? They it, were so close. Ah, so fucking close, dude. Let's check out some additional notes that will kinda help us get maybe just a little better understanding of the timing of this whole fucking trip, right? First off, after losing the other two members, like we talked about, you know, the other two guys were like, ah, she fucking sucks. She did this. She crashed it, whatever, you know. Once those two guys were gone, like her and Newton, they made some really fucking weird choices, dude. Just strange changes. Like, for instance, since neither of them were, like, very good at, like, wireless code and shit, they got rid of the telegraph transmitter, calling it, quote, dead
1: weight.
0: (laughs) So you, you lost two guys. Why not just keep it? Like they yeah, were dead weight. They were whatever, the dead right? weight. They're gone.
2: Yeah, what if you need so the strange. telegraph, dude? You might need SOS, <laughs> that- some motherfuckers or something.
0: Huh? Yeah. Almost foreshadowing there, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like anybody doesn't know it. no, it's Amelia. Earhart. Get out of here. Also, dude they they dropped a trailing antenna that would have helped them use like the five hundred kilocycle marine frequency. Yeah, I had to look that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's basically it's this machine. That it's easier to use, like instead of Morse code,
1: right? Yeah, you know,
0: and it's made for like ships and shit. That would have helped them communicate with exactly. any ships out there, you know. But they they got rid of it. You so know? they already instead, gotten rid
2: of two of their backup like transmitting ways to co- communicate right. with people.
0: Right, and instead they they decided they were going to rely on like something that was quote. Far less reliable. Carrier Bandwidth radio. Oh. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's like basically they're using like a civilian, like high bandwidth yeah. radio. Yeah. Yeah. Like I looked everywhere I could think to like find who they were talking to through the whole trip and all this stuff, dude. And I could only find a handful of them. Like a, a few. It's crazy, you know? Like in, in one of them they say the only words that they could make out were cloudy weather. So that's a transmission she sent. Throw oh. over this fucking unreliable higher bandwidth radio. I <laughs> said, so, so it's written, I swear.
2: ham <laughs> hey, radio.
0: Where is right.
1: pirate radio? <laughs> <laughs> ah, we
0: coming in hot. your <laughs> oh, oh. crazy, she on, because we're dancing into the 60s. Uh, <laughs> there's another one that they claim was more clear, but she said, we are circling but cannot see island, cannot hear you. And that was followed by running online, north and south. And then at 7.42 a.m., like for that local time on that island, Howland Island, they received something that said, we must be on you, but cannot see you, but gas is running low. Have been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at 1,000 feet. And then roughly an hour later, they received her last message that said, we are on the line 157-337. We will repeat this message on sixty two ten kilocycles. Wait. And then the transmission cuts off. Shit. Yeah. And like they kind of figured that the 157337 had to have been some kind of coordinates, but they never found anything at those coordinates. Huh. It's pretty fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Now, in my mind, it kind of makes sense that her and Noonan, they basically, they're running out of fuel and then, you know, they crash into the ocean, right? But this is, it, it gets kind of a little even more weird than that last transmission. And to me, that just seems so fucking straight. Like, wait, like, yeah. So she she doesn't say like we're going down, we're going down. She says we're going to repeat this message. Whoa, wait. wait. And then nothing. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It's just to me that just sits weird in my mind. It like does. that they were getting ready to crash. Yeah. Like, like why? Why, why she say go, that? Go yeah. Yeah. You're getting ready to crash, but you're going to say, whoa, wait, wait." Like, just I don't know, man. But within an hour, like the search was on. There was a ship called the Ithaca. They were the ones that had kind of been like in that area. And they were communicating with her and stuff, or trying to, anyway. And, uh, you know, it's a government Navy ship. But, like, before long, though, this ship basically, within an hour, they were fucking all in the area just searching and trying to figure shit out. And surely enough, a bunch of U.S. Navy ships uh, were sent out to help with this. And, like, they spent over, like, $4 million over the course of 17 days just looking for debris, checking any local areas, you know, looking for any kind of fucking sign, dude. But they honestly... In those days, that was the most uh, bad point that had ever been spent for fucking search and rescue. Yeah. Especially for a civilian.
2: They spared no expense. They went to find out what happened, dude. at least find some kind of wreckage. Yeah, exactly.
0: Even if they were down, they wanted to find something, yep. you know, but they found nothing, dude. They found absolutely nothing. They did continue to, like, they kept getting SOS signals. But like they were all over the fucking place. You know, I, I I was reading a couple articles and they said that, like some of the SOS signals were coming from as far away as fucking Wyoming,
2: here in yeah. the states. Maybe they were zapping yeah. through portals and popping out other places.
0: Right, right, dude. <laughs> hey, you know well, wait. You know what I'm saying? Like something's yeah. there. Something. You know, it's so fucking wild. That I love it. I fucking love it. You know. But, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, the most likely theory, honestly, is that, you know, they crashed into the ocean and instead of floating like the plane should, because the planes float at least for a while, you know what I'm saying? But for some reason, for whatever reason, something happened that caused it just to sink and they either died on impact or they drowned or something, you know, but... There are just a couple other uh, theories out there, buddy. You want to take over the first
2: one here? Yeah, man. The first one is that they both survived the crash and made their way to Nikumaroro Island.
0: The <laughs> island, that I think, is stretching it here, homie.
2: Yeah, this is an uninhabited, tiny little speck in the ocean that's about 350 miles south of where they were supposed to be. That's weird. The interesting thing that's, is... That's quite
0: a bit off course. Yeah,
2: quite a ways. But interestingly enough, the Navy did in fact pick up SOS signals from that location. But right. by the time that they got there, a week later, there was no sign of right. anything or anyone on that little tiny island. So they wrote the signals off as just being bogus.
0: Gotcha. And I mean I I guess like you can't blame them. but yeah, again, like you know, we were talking about the speeds and shit to like going from like coast to coast and all this other stuff, and now it's like it's just a few hours where it used to be like a real trek, you know. Even yeah. like the ships out in the ocean now, they would have been there, you know, within hours, you know, covering three hundred and fifty miles, at least by the end of the day, you know, now instead of a week
2: to get there, you know? Right, yeah. So three years later, a British coconut harvesting expedition to the island, found a partial that skeleton. That same island, that little speck, yeah, right? Yeah. So they found a partial skeleton of what appeared to be a castaway. <laughs> I, I don't you to... you know, they had like a they had a, a life had preserver on or something, and <laughs> they had built a lean-to. And had a a Hawaiian shirt on.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm a skeleton. Yeah, (laughs) I'm a castaway.
2: (laughs) 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 So apparently, giant coconut crabs had dismembered and carried off many of the bones, but the crew collected the ones that remained and gathered up a few other items that they found at the scene which included a piece of a woman's and a man's shoe. So I guess you have a one woman's shoe and one man's shoe. <laughs> well, you are a castaway. Where would you get? <laughs> and they found a box that once contained a navigational device. Like, how do they know that? going to <laughs> say, this box contains a navigational device.
0: Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a fucking
2: box. <laughs> it, just, it wouldn't have said all that, dude. It just said compass on it or some shit. <laughs> Astrolabe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> GPS. I don't even know what that is yet. <laughs>
2: so, in the spring of 1941, the bones arrived in Fiji, where a local doctor examined them and concluded they came from a short stocky man yeah oh, boy wouldn't you know it the bones and objects disappeared oh I am so shocked right yeah. now and o- only a few dozen... They found the proof <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then it's just like we talked about before like oh well, they had it but the bones disappeared what had right. to the bones? <laughs> we had to prove to yeah was cast. we
0: made uh, it we lost it <laughs> sorry about that boss <laughs>
2: <laughs> but see, also, only a few dozen members of the British colonial administration ever heard about the findings.
0: So, yeah, that's not odd or anything, All right? right? Yeah. What the fuck, dude?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, this next part I got from BBC.com. So, we're okay. just going to read it verbatim. Verbatim, see? Verbatim. I told you, Quote, in 1997. <laughs> I love it, dude. <laughs> in 1997, the International Group of Historic Aircraft Recovery, or TIGAR. <laughs>
1: so, that's
2: TIGAR. Meow. Meow.
1: <laughs> TIGAR. <laughs> so
2: stung, Somehow stumbled across the file labeled Skeleton Human Finding of Gardner Island.
1: <laughs>
2: While well, conducting so research the, at the Go ahead. So man. Over the years, like the name
1: of the
0: island changed. I remember reading that. Yeah, it was, it went from Howland Island to fucking Gardner or some shit, whatever. Not that it matters. Continue. Sorry, buddy.
2: <laughs> While well, conducting research at the National Archive of Kiribati in Tarawa. Tarawa. Right. So this shit all sounds so made up, dude. I swear. What the fuck? Those documents led Tygar to an archive of the British Western Pacific High Commission located at the time in the basement of a secure government communications facility in Hanslope Park, around 60 (laughs) miles northwest of London in 1998 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude what <laughs> I, just, I don't know it's like,
0: we went into a basement the building in a place on a street with an alley and stuff like, <laughs> we had a fox skeleton human that's
1: <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> so the it's right, man
0: <laughs> I know it's just so weird to me I remember dude I, I remember looking at this dude and I'm just going like oh these fucking theories dude <laughs> in nineteen ninety
2: eight Tigar secured clearance to enter the hand slope facility and discovered the remainder of the paperwork related to the bones. Oh now they got the paperwork too so I, I say we go we we we're going to solve this mystery. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> We kind of know, that <laughs> they didn't, but for Tigar members, this served as a sort of eureka moment. They all shouted, "Eureka!" La <laughs> ha! <La-ha!
0: laughs> See, ha! <laughs>
2: <laughs> the group had already been leading excursions to the island since 1989, slowly gathering evidence: a piece of a plane that didn't match any from World War II, a woman's shoe heel that hinted at Earhart's possible presence. But never confirmed it definitively. It didn't confirm anything. <laughs> it didn't even hint at her presence. It was a, a fucking heel random from a heel shoe. off
0: a random shoe. <laughs> well in a hot city, she coulda she could have been flying in them high heels. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, dude. You you know, you know she guys okay, so you guys don't understand how many Pictures and videos, Chuck and I went through, and she was not exactly a heels girl unless she was with the president, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, she was trying to make piloting sexy. So. <laughs> All right, I got you. All right. Tigar asked two forensic anthropologists to examine the Fijian doctor's notes. Both concluded that he had been mistaken, and his interpretation the bones actually belonged to a woman most likely of Northern European descent who stood around oh, five, five feet and seven inches tall. I'm sure, dude. Like, yeah, we're here. we need you guys
0: to take it back. It's not a short fat guy. It's a kind of taller skinny lady. <laughs>
2: <Like>. <laughs> Jesus.
0: What the fuck?
2: In the Tiger team subsequently carried out three archaeological surveys on the island, uncovering artifacts that speak of an American woman from the 1930s including a broken compact, <laughs> personal care products, and anti-freckle cream.
0: <laughs> Is that like sunblock? <laughs> I don't
2: know, but see, Earhart reportedly considered her freckles unattractive. So maybe Ow. they thought Says she's them. using this thing.
1: Them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a bone fragment that came from a human fingertip raised hope. But geneticists at the University of Oklahoma were unable to recover enough mitochondrial DNA to test it against samples provided by the Earhart family. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, I, lo- I like this. Uh, yeah, keep going. This, it, it just gets better. Yeah. <laughs> Evidence pointed towards Earhart possibly landing in the coral reef surrounding Nikimororo. It would have been low tide when she landed, meaning her plane have. could have stayed upright long enough for her to send out distress signals. Eventually, TIGAR members hypothesize the tide washed it down the steep reef shelf, engulfing it in several hundred feet of ocean. (laughs) A photo taken by a British expedition in 1937, three months later, Earhart's disappearance reveals an object sticking out of the reef that should not exist on an uninhabited (laughs) island.
0: You know, it's so crazy because they're claiming all this shit. Yet, you never, you know, there's not a big, big whoop de doo around it. People are like, yeah, these guys are fucking insane,
2: <laughs> you know? The U.S. State Department confirmed that the debris could be a piece from a Lockheed Electra 10E, which would be Earhart's plane. Of course it would, like, cause nobody else had that plane at all. It's <laughs> the only one in existence, and there's never been another one made, so it had to have been her and her high heel, goddammit. As, as did Independent Forensic Examiner Jeff Glickman. Independent Forensic Examiner. So this guy is totally a legit. He's trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. I'm picking it up. I get it. I get it. He got his forensic degree out of Cracker Jack.
0: Right. No shit, dude. He just, like, fucking color one with crayons. <laughs> that looks legit. Uh, my, name, or my name isn't Glickman Jeff. I mean Jeff Glickman. <laughs> so this jackass have to say. I don't know, I shouldn't call him a jackass, I don't know the <laughs> guy, maybe he likes our podcast. So Jeffy Boy, if you're out there, send us a, you know, give us a shout, let yeah, us know what's yeah.
2: up. Well, he said, quote, I think the fact that we have a photograph of an object on the reef that was taken 90 days after she was lost, and by every measure has the right configuration for being Lockheed Electra 10E landing gear is pretty convincing. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. That's coming from a guy, yep. you
0: know. This, you know he, uh, oh,
2: oh. Yeah. He claims he specializes in image analysis. <laughs> so <laughs> he knew right away that that was the landing gear from her plane. I mean, uh, I
0: mean obviously, it was 90 days later. <laughs> just the landing gear, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's probably why they didn't float. <laughs> yeah. <You know, the, laughs> personally, I feel like, it, it, again, like, do why was there not just. Fuck tons of coverage about this. They're finding all this shit. It's all this proof. All this just just definitive. Look at the, Follow the trail. Follow the trail. Here it is. Yet, you don't really hear anything. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, they, they got that going for them. They're, they're good at staying under the radar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Bob, come on, Gus. Where are you on that one? Come on. We got radar now. Come on. Ah. Oh, Fucking prick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh So let's check out a, a, a couple of the uh, other uh, theories out there. What do you say, buddy? All right. Okay. So according to author W. C. Jameson, and I mean, how can you not trust a guy with that name? You know, in his book Amelia Earhart Beyond the Grave, he claims that she was. Wait for it. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Maybe a motherfucking spy that had been recruited by Franklin Delano Roosevelt himself to take some super fucking sweet aerial pictures of Japanese military bases that were all over the Pacific Ocean. Ultimately leading to her and Unit being shot down and taken captive. And of course, you know the president himself—he can't allow somebody connected to this shit, so he's just like, "I don't even know who. I don't even know who that is. I tell you." So he just denies it all, and then they both got fucking ex- a- a- executed. Uh, yeah. yeah, And that, that, well, that's not the end of the theory though uh, No, 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 buddy uh, Others have positive that she wasn't killed But she survived the war And lived out the rest of her fucking days In witness protection Right here in the goddamn states Are you
2: with me? Alright Maybe they just, uh, you know uh, Put out in the news that she was lost and she actually did. She came back and lived her life in witness <laughs> protection. The cover story was that she was lost at sea and crashed and whatever. Well, I think she died, uh, I'm pretty sure. So <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to throw the Japanese off the scent. Right. Dude, there's so many fucking problems with this one. <laughs> like first
0: off, their big claim of this is this photo, right? They claim there's this photo and it shows her and Noonan on like the deck of some fucking Japanese warship or some shit, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, dude, this is a blurry-ass fucking photo that at at one point they kind of try to blow it up. You kind of see a blurry-ass half of a guy's face and then, like, the back of a woman's head. And it's black and white. You can't tell shit all about it. Yeah, Like, you can't even see, like, a gun in the picture. Like, there's a couple other people standing around and shit. And like, you're, they don't even look like soldiers or anything. They're just like, it looks like a bunch of people. And it honestly, doesn't even look like a fucking big ship's deck or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So sorry, WC, but we're out on that one. Yeah. And then second, there's not a fucking chance in hell that somebody like fucking Amelia Earhart is just going to be like, well, I did what I had to do for my country. I'm going to live quietly and quietly in witness protection where nobody's going to recognize me, even though I'm the most famous woman in the country.
2: Somewhere in sideways, Wisconsin. (laughs) There's still not a fucking chance. Okay. So let's say she did. She's a spy. She
0: gets shot down. The Japanese have her. Dude, you really think the Japanese aren't going to fucking publicize the shit out of having a prisoner like Amelia fucking Earhart? Right. Fuck yeah. They're going to be like, we caught your fucking hero. We caught your record breaker. We got her, you know, fucking surrender. What you know what I'm saying? Dude, that shit would have been fucking everywhere. it just drives me crazy that people don't even give it that little bit of thought. That's all it takes. Yeah. You know? Uh, So now this next one, it also uses the idea that they crashed, but this time instead of that little speck, they they crashed in, in the Marshall Island. And uh, you know that was actually occupied by the Japanese, and then they were taken and captured, and all this, and then they died political prisoners. And this one uses that same photo, but they also claim that there were fragments of metal found on it on one of the little outcrops of the Marshall Islands, a yeah. tiny little stack, and oh, it would have been consistent with the kind of metal used to make a plane. <laughs> you know, and again, only only thing in the world that used that metal. So. Right. <laughs> we can, we're just gonna check that off as sold. I buy that theory, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just fucking, it's just garbage, dude. I think we will just do
2: one more. All like right, that. yeah.
0: You want to do this one? Or you want me to, buddy?
2: Yeah. In this one, there's uh, portals that pop up all over the world, and they keep <laughs> flying through them. In fact, they're still flying today, and they just no, keep dude, popping you're, no, in no, 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 no. You're, and out you're, you're, of you're, portal. No. That's not, that's not right.
0: No, 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 no. I don't know where you just got that.
2: Yeah. I'm just fucking for real though. This last one that we're going to mention is that she was captured and forced to spread Japanese propaganda as Tokyo Rose.
0: Oh, never heard of Tokyo Rose, have you? (laughs) Let us shed some light on that street from Wikipedia. (laughs) I got this part, buddy. You can finish after I'm done. (laughs) No, go ahead.
2: (laughs) (laughs) According to Wikipedia, Tokyo Rose was a name given by Allied troops in the South Pacific during World War II to all-female English-speaking radio broadcasters of Japanese propaganda. The programs were broadcast in the South Pacific and North America to demoralize allied forces abroad and their families at home by emphasizing troops' wartime difficulties and military losses.
0: Absolutely, dude. Yep, and this and it really happened. There really was, you know, these female English-speaking females that were talking about, you know, Americans are losing badly. You're losing your husband and, and sons, and you know what I mean. Just trying to like get them, like you know, convince people to be like, we don't
2: want the war to go on. Yeah, surrender or some shit. You know. Yep. Several female broadcasters operated using different aliases and in different cities throughout the territories occupied by the Japanese Empire including Tokyo, Manila, and Shanghai. The name Tokyo Rose was never actually used by any Japanese broadcaster, but it first appeared in U.S. newspapers in the context of these radio programs during 1943.
0: Right. And see, if that doesn't kill this theory, then how about the fact that, you know, Amelia Earhart's husband, he fucking, you know, he was uh, not only her husband, they were like partners. He was her promoter and fucking everything, you know, like he listened to like hours and hours of these ladies. And he definitively said that not one of them, he said, no, nah, there's not a fucking chance any of these are Amelia. You know? Oh, right. Dude, none of these are my wife. You know what I'm saying? And he well, he didn't get shit out of it, dude. His wife actually fucking kinda of went in the shitter after you know her her disappearance and all that. Yeah. So And I know it sounds wild, but we found something even crazier than all these series. You know what that is, buddy? Uh
2: the monster made out of spaghetti that we found in the garage. Ooh.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Spaghetti Ooh. monster, yeah. Well, see, well, was because you had all those microwaves. You all the spaghetti that was in all those microwaves, all the little pieces stuck inside. They it formed a... Yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then they just no, and, mutated. And... Yeah,
0: next thing you know, Chuck's beating it fucking crickets and shit. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and we're down and he gives us some garlic bread. like, oh, who's been a good little spaghetti monster? Who's been a good spaghetti monster? No, it's today's Trolling the Internet. How? <laughs> my So let's start with a comment from uh just username 7, you know. Uh 7 wrote it says she's still flying around the world as a ghost to this day. <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
2: She just went to the it. ghost void. She, There is no other plane out there. Her co pilot, her plane, everything <laughs> on board just turned ghost and is and just still keep flying, flying around her. the world. Yep. Over and over. We're going to break this record one day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten stuck in that voice now.
2: <laughs> A super insightful Angie Draws Stuff. That's their username. They right. wrote, said that she disappeared.
0: <laughs> no shit. That's all they wrote. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why did nobody else ever think of that? <laughs> oh my god, dude! It's like people just do that shit. And they're like, I think murder is bad too. They yeah. should not kill. No shit. Really? Huh? Yeah. Weird. Oh, you mean it's sad that she just Oh man, I didn't even think about it. I, I, now I feel like crying. You know, like get the fuck out of here, dude. Right? So uh Darl Ebanks added this little tidbit. This was a historic piece of history.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: How insightful. This was a
1: historic piece of history.
2: Well thanks, (laughs) homie. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Shit. All
2: right. Dope Fiend said once we become one with the universe, we will know the answer to everything.
0: <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Slow <laughs> down on the dope, my fiend friend.
1: <laughs> what does <that> even
0: mean? <laughs> we don't know the, end of the day, every day. everything. What's with the universe? Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't worry about Amelia <laughs> Earhart. We'll know about her <laughs> soon enough. <laughs> we got everything covered. <laughs> So Porkmaster wrote this one, and honestly, it made me laugh like way too hard. I but he wrote or they wrote, she is an amazing hide and seek champion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good one. All right, <laughs> what do you got?
2: <laughs> All right, this one. Their username is I still own WWE. And they said. She lives in a pineapple under the sea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She turned into fucking SpongeBob. (laughs) I like it, dude. dude. (laughs) We're going to end this segment today with uh, this little gem from Taylor S. They wrote... Where's Waldo? To the next level. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> big ol' ocean. You gotta find a little speck of the landing gear in the coral
2: reef. <laughs> <laughs> On the entire ocean, there's one little piece of landing gear sticking out. Good luck. <laughs> it's a
0: puzzle. <laughs> oh, man. So, I've been looking forward to covering Amelia and all of her success for so long that now that we have, I, I feel like Charlie did after he killed his fucking lazy ass grandpa. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, Hold on. That's not right, dude. Yeah. I don't uh, think that's
2: see. how that goes, man. But <laughs> sure.
0: I feel like Bruce Willis did at the end of The Sixth Sense. Uh, uh, pro- <laughs> damn it, dude. Um,. Let's see. God, it's like, it's hard to deal with feelings sometimes, guys. Yeah. You know, I'm not real good with my feelings. No. <laughs> Fuck you, Gus. <laughs> All right. So I feel like when you buy an avocado and eat it when it's perfectly right. <laughs> uh, That's the motherfucking feeling, homie. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there are always going to be people out there that instantly scream conspiracy, you know, when they don't like the official story. You know what I'm saying? Right. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I totally believe that they survived running out of here. I absolutely do. I just think that they were so fucking far off course that eventually the plane just went down and they went down with it, you know? Yeah. Or maybe she secretly became one of those agents that we try not to mention around Chuck because of his
1: PTSD. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh well Chuck's got some bad PTSD So we don't talk about those Particular agents Do we buddy Did you I'm, just fart Did you just fart I'm covering re- my ears <laughs> over here <laughs>
2: Trying not to hear anyway, you Anyway
0: guys Remember An open mind leads to endless possibilities Join us next time for another piece Of Weird Candy <laughs> Chuck's doing the
1: underwear dance Mm -hmm. Chuck's doing the underwear dance (laughs) (laughs) Chuck's doing the underwear dance Oh, he nailed it, bro. <laughs> <laughs>